the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Rob Black, weekday mornings from 10 to noon on Talk 910 KNEW. You, your money, your life, your dreams. The answers are here. This is Rob Black. It's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial. Thanks so much for listening. I think I have a pretty good show planned for you today. We'll find out, as I want to say. <laughs> Time will tell. Uh, first hour, I got certified financial planner Chad Burton live and in studio. Let's bring him right on in. Certified financial planner Chad Burton, are you there? I am, re- I am here. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for asking. You're welcome. How cheesy was that, huh? It's, it's nice. So what, what's good? <laughs> 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 so Hello. Stocks are higher today on earnings data, Chad. Um, yesterday, we had a big sell-off. We had a, a worry about Japan's GDP, and they're a big exporting country, and then you had Lowe's come out in the United States and say things aren't so rosy. And ultimately, the market had a big pullback day. I like big pullback days, but no follow-through. Today, we're uh, you know getting a little bit of a, not, not a dead cat bounce, but a bounce. Uh, are you re- am I reading too much in the day-to-day? Should I just relax, chill, take a Xanax? No, you know, I mean, you've got a realization here that we're having a jobless recovery. We're still having limited consumer access to credit, limited small business access to credit. Things are not working perfectly yet, and it's not going to be a let's bust out of the starting gates and go on to the next bull market. We've also got August and September to deal with. Traditionally, you know, fairly tough time for stocks. You got people finishing vacations and uh, back to school. So, um, you know, we've got a couple more quarters, Rob, before we're going to be able to look back and say companies are beating earnings based on growing revenues and profits versus cutting costs faster than a drop in revenues. Now, you're a certified financial planner, and we're going to open up phone calls to you at 800-345-5639. That's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. On top of that, if you want to jump onto the live blog, 910kenew.com, 910kenew.com, first and foremost, you can uh, jump on in, but you can Throw questions at us uh, on the live blog, 910kdw.com. Or if you want to email me during the show, if you do it in the first 20 minutes, I'll try to get to it during the show. It's uh, rob at robblack.com. So, Chad. Yes. One of the things you do as a financial planner is um, you help clients with the stock market. You help clients with diversification. You help clients with income strategies. You help clients with estate planning, wills, and trusts. You help clients on many, many, many levels like that. But one of the things you do is also identity theft. What's what? What is identity theft to you? Why should we care? What does it mean to you as a financial planner? Well, identity theft. I guess the the biggest thing that identity theft costs you is time. In most cases, you know, you can get a lot of coverage if it's on a credit card. Sometimes you can get the you know maybe the first fifty bucks you've got to pay for everything else they'll pay for. But nothing seems to cover your time when something seriously bad happens. And and the worst scenario that I've seen is uh, had a client in about eight years before they moved to the Bay Area. 
um, something happened where somebody broke into an auto dealership and stole the actual paper files for when uh, you know people had purchased a car and filled out loan paperwork and everything else. And he had been battling this problem for, for nearly eight years to the point where he was trying to get his social security number changed. He, he tr- tried all alternatives. He kept getting hit after hit after hit on his you know, credit and everything else. So he's actually trying to get his uh, social security number changed. And he was never really out a lot of money, but the time was just horrendous. And it was a constant thing on the back of his mind. So when you get ID theft insurance, you want to make sure you have something that's going to cover basically the footwork. If you have to hire an attorney or private investigator or somebody else to try to stop the credit, your credit from being accessed and from your identity of being used, you've got to go to work every day. You've got to do what you do well, and you want to have somebody else paid for what they do well, which is you know try to fix and clean up the problem. One of the things that people can do is that they can put a freeze on all their credit accounts and I'm at the stage, Chad, where I don't use credit. I don't see a big need for accessing credit anytime soon. So I've actually froze all my credit bureaus uh, just by telling them, put a freeze on all my credit. Mm-hmm. Um, I want no more. I don't need it. So later in life, it's going to be a pain in the butt when I want it because I'm going to have to unfreeze it. But I think it was a smart thing for me to do in this day and age. So people could actually freeze their own credit. But if someone did get my identity, I'm not covered because I don't have identity theft insurance. And my time is worth, eh, what, about $14.6 billion an hour. At, at least. At least. That's so last published rate. Last published rate. I By got the way, piece. if you want Rob Black to speak at your next event, call. <laughs> <laughs> you know, actually, I once spoke at one of your events, and you actually gave away a mailbox. I was like, that is the lamest giveaway I've ever seen no, in my actually, life. Actually, that was sponsored by an ID theft company. And it was, so you talked about Chad, your credit. you gave away a mailbox. Oh, it wasn't just a mailbox. It was like, what, a, a fortress or something like that. It was a fortress that squirrels could live in till... <laughs> I, I think I could have lived in that mailbox. You might be living in that With mailbox. With my 10 children. So um, You have yeah. 10 children? It, I, no, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> So anyways, yeah, no, that was a situation where, you know, most of the common problems that people have with, uh, you know, money being stolen and ID is mail and writing checks. So you're talking about accessing your credit and, you know, big deal. You go later on to open up a credit card or do something else and they happen to call you on your cell phone saying, hey, somebody's accessing your credit. And you say, okay, it's me. Um, so that's not that big of a deal, but I, it still blows me away when people like Rob Black still have a mailbox that you can... <laughs> walk up to and open it up and steal the mail out of it because when you get those credit card offers in the mail if somebody's just kind of going through your mail your garbage or whatever trying to find information to be able to fill out a you know pre-authorized credit card that's when you start getting nailed when you write a check there's over 50 different chemicals that can wash a check wash everything but your signature and they can rewrite it for whatever they want And, and all this stuff rob it's not rocket science anything that id theft insurance does you can do on your own. Freeze your credit. Stop junk mail. Um, do all of that stuff you can do on your own. You just have to do it every so often. You know, I actually worked with a rocket scientist once before, and rocket science isn't really all that tough. It's it's not. It's just some calculus and trajectories and thermodynamic arcs. law. Very difficult, but rocket science pretty easy. Oh, okay. Good. Just to let you know. Good to know. So, and one thing that I do, and uh, I, I have a shredder. Mm-hmm. So I shred anything that comes through the mail, and then I urinate on top of it because <laughs> my urinate's like like lion urine. It scares off predators. Panther. It's yeah, like it's, panther. It's, it's stronger than panther. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. Let's go to Kathleen in San Rafael. Kathleen? 
I am 60-something, and I'm wondering how I should be investing and allocating in my 403B. What exactly does 60-something mean? Are you on the higher end of 60 or the lower end of 60? I'm, I was hoping to retire in about a year, if possible. Okay, so maybe you're 61 and a half. So if you have a 403B, does that mean you have a pension on top of it? Or are you a teacher? I do have a pension on top of it. Okay. Which is approximately uh, 200000 that's the total amount inside the pension. Correct, two hundred thousand. Okay, but if you're on, you're on what Calsters or Calpers? For... No, no. Gotcha. Okay, so you just have a lump sum pension that you're going to roll out when you retire. I will have a choice of either a lump sum to roll over, or I can take it out monthly. Okay, and how much is that going to be monthly? Oh gosh, I don't know. Okay, well, that's one of the first things that you need to do because here, I mean, first of all, you're. You don't know how much the month, the pension is going to give to you. That's two hundred thousand. They're going to give you some sort of an internal rate of return, which will give you a monthly payment, right? Mm-hmm. How much do you have in your four hundred three b? Right now, it's a little over three hundred thousand. It's two hundred in in uh, fixed right now, and um, so you've got about five hundred thousand between those two. Yes. Okay, and then you've got some social security, right? I have some social security, and I have about. Three or four hundred thousand in another brokerage account. Okay, so it looks like you're on pretty good track. Um, basically, what you're going to do is is first of all sit down and, and do all of your expenses. Do you have a budget of what you're going to need in retirement? Uh, <laughs> I know how to be frugal if need be, but I would like to not be quite as frugal as I've been. Give okay. me a tip on being frugal. How frugal can you be, Kathleen? Um, under forty thousand. But I would like to live on sixty or seventy thousand, if possible. I've become more frugal recently myself, so I I go out and fill up my canteens for my neighbor's hose, and um, I needed some sod, and instead of buying it at Home Depot, <laughs> I just dug up my neighbor's lawn. That's frugal. You have canteens. I have canteens. Are they from, are they from Boy Scout days? Or? Water jugs as well. <laughs> Taking a shower under a canteen not that easy. You need a spotter for that, Rob. Don't ask me. <laughs> anyway, back to Kathleen. So what kind of investment should I have in my 403B? <laughs> well, okay, first of all, you can't look at just the 403B. That's a, a mistake that people make. You have to look at everything together. And the first thing that you're going to need to do is sit down and do your expenses like you want it. Not the frugal way, but here's how I want to live in retirement. Mm-hmm. Then you've got to add in taxes, mm-hmm. all right? Because you're you're pulling from pensions and 403b, that means you're paying taxes on 100% of everything that comes out of that. So you got to f- remember that you're going to be paying Uncle Sam. And so, and once you have your expenses, you're going to need three years worth of your expenses in safe money. And right now, that safe money sounds like it's in your pension, probably just in a fixed account, right? Yes. Okay. So everything else if, it should be in just a, basically a balanced portfolio that's going to be about 30 to 40% in bonds, about 5 to 10% in cash, and the rest in diversified equities. So you can't look at your 403B on its own. You've got to look at the bigger picture. And the bigger picture says that you're that close to retirement. Again, three years worth of expenses in cash or safe, safe money, and the rest in a balanced portfolio. Mm-hmm. So look at the bigger picture and then... Uh, and work from there. And the stuff, your your pension will be your safe money. Your 403B should own most of your fixed income or your bonds because it's tax deferred. And then your taxable accounts will own more of your growth-oriented investments. Okay. Okay. Good. Anything else, Kathleen? No. Thanks for the call.
So how was that for a call, Chad? Was that good enough for you? Yeah, it's a good call. Good call. Like okay. Mm-hmm. I got some emails coming up in a very similar fashion, in a very similar vein. But let's go to break first and foremost. Let me tease out the phone number, 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. Don't forget, Thursday, Chad and I are going to be doing a, an event this Thursday in Las Gatos, the Toll House Hotel. It's made out of real cookie dough. And um, it's going to be all about financial planning issues retirement issues, wealth preservation issues. Um, It's going to be at the Toll House Hotel. You can find out more information at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Black is watching your wallet live and local. Call 1-800-345-KNEW. Straw Black Show, I'm Rob Black. Chit-chatting about everything financial. CFP Chad Burton is with us Tuesdays from 10 to 11, Thursdays from 11 to 12. Seeing that it's Tuesdays, he is here. Now, Chad, uh, there is a message on the live blog for you. It says, is there a will template that one can use from the Internet? What's the easiest way to manage a will? Well, you can just go to nolo.com or, or legalzoom.com. Either one of those, you can find a will and, and do it. I mean, here's the deal. If you don't, if you die without a will, the state has one for you. It says all your assets go to your spouse. If you don't have a spouse, it goes to your kids. No kids, and it goes to your parents if they're living. If not, then your siblings. So... The thing you have to think about, though, is when most people sit down to do a will, it's usually because they're either older and they want to pass it to their children, or they've just had children and they're worried about what happens when they die. So you got to think about things like, okay, who's going to manage the money from the life insurance when we die? Who's going to take care of the kids when we die? So there's a lot of communication that goes on with your spouse, and um, you got to think about that before you jump on and do the, the wills online. So at LegalZoom.com, if you punch into the enter code, if you enter the code PUFFERFISH, you can get a free will. Really? I'm just making that up. <laughs> PUFFERFISH. I always wanted to say I, the word I know Glenn, Doesn't like Glenn Beck have a radio? Every, Is there a Rob Black LegalZoom? Everyone has a LegalZoom relationship except for me. We've tried to put Heidi, Heidi? on it, and Heidi, Heidi is up? choking. Oh, so she's geez. gagging. So she's not very good at... Um, multitasking. I guess you're going to have to pay her for more than two and a half hours a day. <laughs> Fat chance that's going to happen. <laughs> so here's a question for you. If in my will, if my last crazy girlfriend, um, if I had put her name on a brokerage account and then say 60 years later I die and I haven't changed her name off that, would all my money go to the wife or would all my money go to my kids or would all my money go to the previous girlfriend whose name is on the account. Well, what you're talking about, if you put the name on a brokerage account, what you did was call it uh, a transfer on death account. So there's two ways to avoid probate and avoid having your assets go to what your will says or what your trust says. That's you name a beneficiary in an IRA, annuity, or a life insurance contract, or you can take a taxable brokerage account and call it a transfer on death or a payable on death account where it bypasses probate, it goes directly to that person when you die. So if um, you had an old girlfriend and you took a t- taxable account or an IRA account and you you know had her on there as a beneficiary, if you never funded it again while you were married, it would go to that person. Okay. And nothing you could do about it. If you funded it while you were married with money that you were making while you were married and you commingled it into community property, 
there's a chance that the spouse could still gra- go after half of it. Which but, which trumps which? Um, a will or uh, a signed document? If it's a signed beneficiary document, yeah, that will trump the will. Okay, okay, that's good stuff. That's good knowledge. Um, another uh, live blog comes in, and the phone lines are wide, spanking open. Eight hundred three four five five six three nine. It's eight hundred three four five five six three nine. Um, should I continue to make mortgage payments while going through a short sell? I don't plan on buying real estate for another eight to 10 years. Someone bought a home probably in the last two to five years and well, the value has gone down a lot and short selling. Basically, if he does not have a recourse loan, i.e. if it's the original loan, the United States government will not send him a 1099. If it was a recourse loan, they will send him a 1099 for what's owed difference between the mortgage and the short sale. Um, in this scenario, Chad, um, should he continue to pay mortgage payments if he's going into a short sale? Yeah, I wouldn't think so, Rob. I mean, I'm not a, a debt expert in any way, shape, or form. I mean, most of what I do is, you know, retirement and wealth management. So it's not my area of expertise, but the whole idea of a short sale means you can't afford the house and you probably haven't been making payments anyway. And I'll disagree a little bit. If the house is going to short sell soon, yes. Stop making payments. If the house is not going to short sell and it's going to sit on the market for a year, two years, three years, then you're going to get foreclosed on if you don't make the payments. That's true. And that's the other thing, too, with people that are trying to modify the loan, that they're in a house that they ultimately cannot afford, right? Um, They might be able to continue to afford to make a couple more payments, but they need to modify the loan to keep the house. Well, a lot of the times, the banks aren't even talking to you unless you're, you know, 60 to 90 days late. So if you go and you are able to modify a loan, that may not even affect your credit if you do it directly with the lender, you know, on your own that you're working with. Um, if you can get that done, but a lot of times people can't get it done unless they're late. And if they're going to be late, you know, a couple of 30 day late payments on a home, your credit could be affected for two years. So it's, that's a little bit of a catch 22 right there. You got to get the loan modified so you can avoid a short sale or a foreclosure, but your credit's going to be probably here anyways, because you're probably not going to get the loan mod unless you're 60 to 90 days late. I'm going to be honest with you, Chad. I think credit scores mean more to people who are 20 and 30 something than it does to 40 and 50 somethings. I tend to find that I'm getting a lot of emails of people who are worried about their credit scores if they go into a short sale or go into a foreclosure. It's like, that's not what I'd be worrying about at your age. I'd be worrying about like what you did wrong to get yes. to where you are. I definitely. I mean, what you need to be worried about is how am I going to, you know, if I'm in my 20s and 30s, how am I going to get to the point where I'm saving 10% of my pay? If you're, you know, late 30s, 40s, how am I going to be able to get to 15% of pay pre-tax? You know, how are you going to save? You know, if you're 50, 60 years old, your main concern is not credit. Your main concern is how do I get into a job that I'm going to be able to work for another 20 years and my body's going to allow me to work for another 20 years because I haven't saved enough for retirement. I got too loaded up on debt and now I'm going to pay the price. And the price is, is I'm going to have to work into my 70s. And people are not going to be realistic. With people losing their homes, uh, 20-somethings, 30-somethings, 40-somethings, 50-somethings, with people going in foreclosures and short sales, Chad, do you think it's time to bring back the hippie commune? Oh, yeah, definitely. Lots of... Uh, Lots of communes should pop up, cults, things like that. I think it's I'm thinking about I'm thinking about on my property uh, starting a twenty something hippie commune. I want the younger hippies. I don't want the older smelly hippies. Oh, they all kind of stink. <laughs> Damn hippies. So okay, quick email for you um, from Sarah R. She says an appreciate explanation of how the seven million dollar estate can pass all seven million dollars to beneficiaries after the second spouse passes away. I would think the value of the estate over the inheritance tax limit, even in a living trust, would be subject to an estate tax. And that's from Sarah R. So explain what her problem is and explain the answer. Okay. Well, here's the, the if you're a married couple, um, well, if you're a, a person at all, 
Let's say you're a person. <laughs> Most people are people. <laughs> Except for old people. They're food. <laughs> and a drain on a tax system. Um, no, it's if it, when you die, you have the ability to pass along three and a half million dollars to your heirs without any estate tax. If you're married, you could pass on unlimited amounts to your spouse. Okay, so Bill Gates could die right now, pass a couple billion dollars to Melinda. No taxes are due at the first death. Okay, but what has to happen at the first death? That person's credit, right, which is right now three and a half million dollars, has to go up into a special trust, and it's usually called a credit shelter trust or a bypass trust. So the first person that dies to save that per- first person's three and a half million dollar credit, money has to go up into a trust, a special trust, and then everything else can go to the spouse. Now, once it's in that trust, it has to pay all of the income to the living spouse. And this, the living spouse can invade principal to maintain lifestyle and to pay for you know health and maintenance and things like that. But to save that first credit, it has to go into a trust. And then when the second spouse dies, dies that money then goes to the heirs. So if you've got two couples, one's worth, and they're both worth $7 million, if one has a living trust that has that bypass or credit shelter feature, they can pass $7 million on to their heirs. If the other couple didn't do any estate planning, um, they could actually get hit with a million and a half tax when the second person dies. So how fair is that? Is this really what you do for a living? Mm-hmm. Fun stuff, huh? That is incredibly, incredibly boring. <laughs> you stayed awake this time. <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm on a porn site right now. <laughs> You get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639. You get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639. Certified financial planner Chad Burton's here. Live in studio taking your phone calls. 800-345-5639. You can also jump in the live blog, 910knew.com. It's 910knew.com. Or drop me a quickie email, rob at robblack.com if you want it answered during this hour. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Coming up at noon on Talk 910 KNEW. Now, Rob Black. Certified financial planner Chad Burton, are you there? I am here. On the live blog, Mike just commented. He said, goes, on last night's Cron show, it seems like you were out of breath. Were you running late? <laughs> How pathetic is this? I got to Cron yesterday, probably about 1.30, 1.15. Totally right my show. It's ready to go. It's good to go. Interview the guest. I'm, I'm, I'm prepped. Uh, the graphics look good. The, the flow looks good. Everything's perfect. In fact, I did a story on Reader's Digest going bankrupt, and that's all the story that I have because it was the Reader's Digest version. It was a pretty funny line, if you appreciate that Reader's Digest is a condensed book form. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, so at 4.01, I look up and I'm like, oh, crap. I'm supposed to be on the air in 30 seconds. <laughs> so I grab my jacket and I do a dead sprint through one level, up staircase, through another level, into the studio. I sit down, weather the traffic girl. She's like, and on 101, that's the big road that goes north and south. Um, there's a car crash. Well, yeah. You know, when two cars, so she's totally padding and she's totally stretching. 
So I get on, I get on, and I do something like this. So um, I've got a nice sweaty sheen on me from just literally running maybe 150 yards total. Um, so I'm going, the stock market sold off Monday. That wasn't unusual. Even with a pullback on Friday, S&P 500 whopping up 14% since <sighs> July 10. <laughs> you would have thought I was having a heart attack. I'm so awful. Yeah, awful right. at you TV. just got done slamming two pork chops. You probably still had the napkin hanging out of your shirt collar while you got on the air. Slamming pork chops. I drink pork <laughs> chops. I put them in the blender and chug them on down. I don't think there's ever been one time where I haven't been sitting in the guest chair at Cron and you walk in at, you know, 359 to 401. I don't think you've ever been in the chair, really. I think you like to keep everybody waiting. You just. I don't know how to put this, <laughs> but I'm kind of a big deal. Really? People know me. Well, I'm very happy for you. I'm very important. Uh, I have many leather-bound books, and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. <laughs> At least once a show, right? It's That's my lifestyle, Chad. It's Honestly, um, that movie changed my life. Uh, I would work in television for free because I feel I am Ron Burgundy. <laughs> you may be. That's the greatest movie of all time for television. That's honestly, Chad, it's not that far from that. So it's really, it's, I think that's a pretty accurate portrayal of television news. It, I, I think you're right. Okay. Another right. email comes in from, Ooh, I'm not supposed to say the person's name. Boy, that makes me want to say their name. Well, yeah, it's to say Java. Java wants to know, how does a person compare two scenarios for retirement funds? One, four minor designated beneficiaries to receive a sum of around $100 each for the rest of their lives. This costs $200 per month for the future retirement funds. Versus, same four beneficiaries receive lump sum of whatever is left over in retirement account when I die. So if you have a CalSTRS account, how do you divvy it up? Well, most of the time you're, you're taking your benefits based on your spouse. So if you die, your spouse gets 100%, you get a reduced payment. If you die, your spouse gets 50%, you get a little higher payment. You die, your spouse gets nothing, you get a much higher payment. So the idea is you take the difference between the high payment and the low payment and figure out if you can buy enough life insurance on your own to, to take care of your spouse. In this case, they're, they're dealing with four kids and a lot of unknowns where, you know, basically what this person has to do is assume that they die at a normal age, like at 85, and that the kids are only going to live another 20 or 30 years beyond that. So they have to sit there and take the present value of, you know, 20 years worth of payments at $100 a month at, say, a 5% interest rate versus... How much life insurance can they buy with that difference of $200 a month that that benefit's going to cost them? And, you know, in a situation like this, Rob, I'd rather see the person go out and take the $200 a month and go buy a life insurance policy um, for as much as they can. That way the kids get a lump sum when mom or dad dies totally tax-free instead of a taxable payment of $100 a month, which is going to be nothing to them in, you know, 30 years. Um, So go buy the life insurance and then let the kids get whatever's left over when you die. With that said, I've got another uh, blog post for you. Chad, should you max out your 401k before you start investing in other stocks and mutual funds? What's a general plan for investing? 30-year-old person. And all I can say to that is 30 years old and investing. I love it. I'm happy for it. It's it's good to see. It's the right type of question. Maybe there is um, maybe there is hope for our generation or for our future, Chad. Maybe yeah, I think hope. there is. I mean, I think there's going to be, you know, lots of lessons learned. I think the, you know, Generation X, Y kind of got on the credit binge and said, I deserve the mom, the car that mom and dad drive in their 50s now when I'm in my 20s and 30s. 
um, and weren't saving. Now I think people realize, okay, it's not going to be as easy as it was. So I better start saving. And the information is out there. People have been talking about the stock market daily for 10 years now in this kind of lost decade that the U.S. has had. But here's the deal. Here's what you don't want to be. It's it's tough to get to retirement. It's still great. It's better than the alternative. But to get to retirement, have 100% of your money in, in pre-tax IRAs or pre-tax 401ks. So when you're 30 years old, you want to put enough in to max out your 401k to get the match. So if your employer matches you know, the 100% of the first 5% of pay, put in 5% of the 401k. If you can still afford to save another, you know, five grand on top of that, go open up a Roth 401k or Roth IRA um, and put that money in. That's post-tax money that you put in, but it's going to grow tax-free and be tax-free when you retire. That way you'll have pre-tax money in your 401k that grows tax-deferred and post-tax money in your Roth that grows tax-free. So you want to have a little bit of both. So, um, and for those that are in their 30s not eligible to fund a Roth IRA, most 401k plans are launching a Roth 401k. So you might say, I'm going to put 10 grand pre-tax into my 401k, and I'm going to put maybe the other six grand post-tax into my Roth 401k. That way you have kind of two pools of money, some taxable and some tax-free. Ooh, you said pool. Pool. So. You like to swim in your money, don't you? I kind of do. So Julie sends in an email and she says, I'd like to know your thoughts about annuities. Our insurance broker is pushing the idea. I really don't know anything about them, but he's promising a 7% return. What say you, Mr. Burton? That person should go to jail. There's no such thing as a promised 7% return. There's no nothing out there on Wall Street that's going to guarantee you 7% right now. What they'll do is they'll say, hey, no matter what the market does, we might pay you 7% income for the rest of your life as long as you live no matter what the market does. But if you try to cash out and get your original investment out, you're going to get what's ever left over. So you're not going to get the guaranteed 7%. So most of the annuity contracts have um, guarantees. So first of all, there's only about four or five contracts that I've seen out there that I'll now use. I used to hate annuities. It wouldn't touch them until about a year and a half, two years ago. Now there's about four or five that I like. And the circumstances when I use them are when people are over 55 years old and they're looking for an alternative for their safe money that pays better than CDs. So we might use a five-year indexed annuity where there's no risk to the money as far as loss, but you can gain a certain percentage of the upside of the market. So we might use you know, 10% of a portfolio and something like that. Or we might use a no-load variable annuity that has one of those income guarantees for a portion of the bond portfolio for maybe 10 to 20% of the overall portfolio. But if you're trying to go to a bank or a straight insurance broker to buy these things versus a fee-based financial planner, you're probably going to get something that's not very good and pays a huge like 5 to 10% commission. I see on the live blog that Jennifer posted something saying that she's going to go see Bob Goldman on your referral. Did you refer her to Bob Goldman? Yeah, um, there, there's a couple types of fee-based financial planners. Um, you know, we're, New Focus Financial, we're a fee-based financial planning firm, but we have an account minimum. And so we don't take on clients unless they meet the account minimum. There are other fee-based planners that charge hourly or, or like a fixed-fee financial plan to help people get started. Put them on the right track. Give them a five-year plan to start building the wealth. And that's a very different way to set up a business. And so Bob is somebody that uh, that I know that does the hourly type of planning that's more kind of geared towards people that like to do it themselves and people that are just starting out and don't have the assets for somebody like our firm to manage. Our wealth management firm is fee-based, but we're for people that want 
us to even pick all the stocks, all the funds, all the ETFs in the overall portfolio. <laughs> I actually met Bob Goldman once, and um, he's actually a really good guy. Um, really good financial planner, really solid knowledge base. But NBC once tried to do a financial crisis 2008, you know, one-hour presentation here, and they stole all my people. They stole Bob Goldman. They stole Erica Sandberg. They stole all my experts, which was pretty cute. But Goldman on this NBC show is pretty funny because uh, they'd ask him questions like, so, Bob, uh, going into 2010, what allocation model should people have? And he couldn't do TV. He could not do TV. He's like, it was one of those incredibly, wonderfully awkward things to watch. So not all financial planners are like you. You're going to be on TV. Two, with- I've got two financial planners that are awesome, that are very detail-oriented, great planning, not so hot on radio or TV. Robots. Yes. Financial planning robots. Um, you want to mention their names so you can make them feel bad? <laughs> so you're going to be on TV just for people, people uh, can know. You're going to be on uh, my television show on Channel 4 Cron this Thursday. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's head to break. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. And I love Bob Goldman. Sorry I had to bust him that his TV appearance was that bad. 800-345-5639. Chad and I are going to be at the Los Gatos Toll House Hotel Thursday night. It's a lot like this radio show, but it's for retirees and wealthy people. And it's really kind of a PG-13 or a soft R. There is some nudity, and it ain't pretty when it's me. 800-345-5639. You can find out more information at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. KNEW, helping you make sense of the complicated world of money and finance. This is Rob Black. So, Chad, certified financial planner Chad Burton with us. Uh, I was just remembering some of my fond quotes from uh, Anchorman. And one of my favorite ones, and this was a very vague one, and you can't really find it in sound clips anywhere, was... Uh, Brian Fontana says, that was one crazy party. I'm hungover. And Champ Kind goes, I woke up on the floor of some Japanese family's rec room and they wouldn't stop screaming. <laughs> For some reason, I love that. <laughs> Have you ever woken up uh, in rec room of some Japanese family? Uh, it's been a while. And obviously, the next one that I like is I love scotch. Scotch, scotch, scotch. Here it goes down, down into my body. <laughs> I can't see that movie again. It's been too long. It's, 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 it's must view watching. Anyway, um, you sent me an email and in your email, you talked about stupid article. Yes. And give me a little bit more on what, what do you see out there that just highlights stupidity in the world of finances? Well, you know how you went to that media event and you kind of, um, basically insulted a lot of the financial media out there so it's an inch deep and a mile wide and so we finally agreed with you let me explain real quick that was a investment advisors meeting and they had brought four people from the media who do financial reporting there they brought a great guy who does the tech writing for uh barons they brought me they brought um the cbs reporter uh lynn jimenez yeah and about during that time too i would run into a lot of you know so-called analysts that were out there on wall street and you'd quiz them. You say, "What did you do for? What did you do in college?" I was a, you know, English major. 
<laughs> so a lot of these people that are out there in media that are good at writing have no clue, nor have they ever been in the business, and they should not be writing financial articles. And there's one in the Wall Street Journal. That's um, at WSJ.com. is actually on uh, originally posted on the 16th. This is retiring question mark pay off your mortgage. And this guy uses an example of this couple, 76 years old, and they bought a home in Florida for $500,000 and they, you know, the stock market went to a downturn and they were trying to figure out a way to cut expenses and refinance or do a loan modification. They're saying no way because their home went from 500,000 in value to $160,000 in value. So this person, um, Tom Loricella, I think is how you say his name, goes on to say, now if they would have paid off their mortgage, they wouldn't have these payments to worry about, which is the dumbest thing that I've ever heard any financial media person say. This is a perfect example of why you may not ever want to pay off a mortgage. They bought a house for $500,000. If they would have paid cash for it, they would have had no cash. They would have put all their money in the house and it would be worth $160,000 right now, right? But now, because they still have a mortgage, and in this case it was about 380 grand, they can turn around and short sell the house and walk away with it if they can no longer afford it, and they would still have the cash in their portfolio. Granted, their portfolio is probably down a little bit, but it's not gone like this erase, you know, this erase in value of $500,000 down to 160 grand. So this is the worst example of paying off a mortgage in retirement that I've ever ever seen. I mean, this is an example of why you look at it and say, "Gosh, this is my why." When I buy my dream house, when I retire, I may not want to pay it off. As you know, I just recently bought my dream house, and I'm three payments in. That it's a 30-year mortgage, Chad. I'll pay it off when you know I'm pushing 70. I'm cool with that. I'm not mm-hmm. going to prepay it ever, never, ever. I got a 4.8% rate. Uh, prepaying it exposes me to risk. It exposes me to danger. People prepay their mortgage. Financially stupid, would you say? Yeah, the the time when it's not financially, I mean, it's financially stupid in most cases for younger people to make the extra mortgage payments versus fund a 401k, a Roth or college savings or something like that. Because if you if you save the money outside of your mortgage, you can get down the road 20 years and say, you know what, I've got enough money, I, I do want to pay off my mortgage early. But if you get your mortgage paid off, you may end up regretting it and there's no flexibility in that. Once the money's in, it's in. There's nothing you can do about it. The only time when you want to pay it off... Are you dying? No. I was trying to jump in on you. All right. Go ahead. Quick phone call? Sure. Charles, San Rafael. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, I got a question for Chad. I'm uh, 61. I had my head handed to me uh, a couple of times in the last 20 years financially, so I've been pretty conservative. Uh, Most recently, I got uh, into cash in a big way. Currently, I've got about 20% of my portfolio in bonds, uh, Jenny May, and short-term investment grade, and I'm realizing I've got to get into equities, but I'm in a quandary as to how to go about that, if I should attempt a dollar-cost average or wait for the next dip and get in. What's your thoughts? Well, if you wait for the next dip, you could be waiting a long time, because what if you would have waited for the next dip in February, and then the market you know, rallied 35% plus? Very true. So the other thing that you're kind of in an area too, the shorter term bonds are the ones that are going to be most volatile with interest rates and market rallies. Um, in our very balanced portfolio, we actually just reduced our exposure to Ginny Mays, not totally, but cut it down a bit to just go into general investment grade quality corporate bonds because Ginny Mays have kind of done what they're going to do. Now they're going to sit around and earn about four and a half percent. 
um, and they're not going to get you anywhere for inflation. So you are 100% correct. You need to get into some equities. And dollar cost averaging, you just got to pick a time that's right for you that's going to feel comfortable. Maybe that's three months, maybe that's six months, maybe it's a year. Charles, are you a cowboy or a fireman? Uh, yeah, I used to be. Because you have a manly voice. Well, thank you, guy. You're welcome. So uh, is that all answered up? <laughs> Rob's really good at spotting those manly voices. That's a manly voice. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Check me out at the Castro this weekend. Um, <laughs> 800 345 to get your calls on the air. Rob and Chad. Very, very, very <laughs> white man in leather chaps. <laughs> it's lightning round time, Chad. Uh, you have to answer these fast because we're running out of time. Rob and Chad, if someone's expecting a larger payment, safe from selling a business, can should they take it in an annuity to lower taxes? Let's assume that someone is in a low tax bracket already. Um, if you, you take it in, typically it's a capital gain issue. So you don't, you, instead of just paying the capital, the taxes up front, you're going to pay it over time and you could face higher capital gains in the future. So it's really a present value money. Your CPA that's helping you sell the business should be able to give you the, you know, the present value of both scenarios. Next one comes to us from, um, no name, but it says, my husband and I have an AB trust through LegalZoom. My sister and I own our deceased parents' home, half each, putting the separate property in the trust. How do I word the deed of the separate property my sister and I both own half? Uh, well, the, the deed is going to be worded. Half of it's going to be in the name of your living trust, and the other half is going to be in, in the name of your sister. Next one comes to us from Jack. Jack says, I'm 33 years old, making $90,000 a year, and my wife and I just had our first child a month ago. I need to set up life insurance to protect my growing family. I have one broker pushing a whole life policy and a term on the side, $200,000 in whole death benefit, $300,000, $500,000 in the term. Another one is recommending just doing term and investing the rest. I like the forced savings and the tax-free nature of the whole life plan. I like the inexpensive nature of the term life policy. Which one's right for Jack? Uh, definitely the term insurance. Buy term, invest the difference. Um, you don't buy permanent policies unless you're maxing out your 401k. You've got a year's worth of investments in taxable accounts and three to six months worth of investments in cash. Um, so he's got a long way to go before he ever wants whole life or variable life. And for that life insurance um, agent who's pushing whole life insurance, should he spray water on him, tell him it's gasoline, and then th- light matches at him? Yes. And chase him S- out. Yep. Chase him out. Chase him out. Throw gonna, firewood on him. <laughs> throw firewood at him. <laughs> Boom. Right out of the nostril. <laughs> Next one comes to us from David. Says, thanks for all the education and entertainment. I just got a layoff notice. I'm determined to have a blast at it. I've been flirting with the idea to become a CFP. I think I'm qualified just because I'm two inches taller than Chad. I do not <laughs> want to service some underserved communities. Please feel free to read this and pass along my resume to Chad. Um you know, it's actually pretty interesting with this one is this comes to us from the guy who's got cerebral palsy, um, David. So what do you think, Chad? Um, would that be a tough racket for someone who's got a disability to no. get into financial planning? Uh, no, I don't. I mean, you've got to be able to use your brain. You've got to love numbers. You've got to love running different scenarios and, and be able to talk to people well and, and uh, listen well. So you're part, you know, financial analyst, you're part CPA, you're part counselor. Okay, next one comes to us from Floor. No, we don't have time. Um, Chad and I are going to be doing an event Thursday night in Los Gatos Toll House Hotel. Once again, it's not funny, but the hotel is actually made out of cookie dough. Um, you can go to robblack.com, robblack.com, sign up for it. It's for wealthy people, retirees. Um, it's a charity event, $7 to get in, and I think you'll get more than your time and education on it. Any last words from you, Chad Burton? Uh, no, hope to see everybody there. Okay, 15 seconds. you got a little more time. Um, watch Rob Black at 4 o'clock on Cron 4. Rob Black, weekday mornings from 10 to noon on Talk 910 KNEW. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.